Hi, Dave. Today we're joined by Ryan McCaffrey. He is the host of Ride the Lightning, unofficial Tesla podcast. He also has, has a day job at IGN, and his claim to fame is he is a former DeLorean owner. Welcome, Ryan, to the channel. Thank you, Dave. Yes, I, I. It's funny. I've always been very happy to be identified as the DeLorean guy. It always. People would say that you know, I would be known in the video game world as like, you're the guy with the DeLorean, right? And you're like, yes, yes, I am. And while I don't have it anymore, I'm still happy to just have that association. I, I will always, that car will always have a soft spot in my heart, even if I don't own it anymore. <laughs> awesome. Um, Ryan, uh, for those who don't know, he's been a um, very valuable contributor to the Tesla community over the years. He has a weekly podcast, listened to a bunch of people, and you've been doing it day in, day out, or week in, week out for over five years, right? What episode are you on right now? Uh, just wrapped 292. 292, yeah, so my that's... goodness. I, I have done the podcast 292 of the past 293 weeks. Wow. Um, for those who don't know, also, Ryan and I, we go way back. Um, yes. <laughs> back back in the day. So I was running a uh, email newsletter called the Tesla newsletter, yes, yeah, Tesla Weekly. Yeah. This was back like in 2014. I had um, a few, few thousand subscribers at the time. And uh, Ryan had launched his podcast. I thought... It was just awesome what you were doing back then. And we were cross-promoting, just helping mm -hmm. each other out. And I remember back in those days, those were the early days of Tesla, huh? It really was. I mean, even, and I mean, I'm not even an original road. I mean, that probably feels like the modern era to an original Roadster owner. But mm -hmm. yeah, even even sitting here now in 2020 and now into 2021, that feels like just a, a just Jurassic time in in all, in mostly good ways, right? Like the company has grown so much and come so far since then. Yeah, I remember um, it was back at, I think the D event, right? It was 2014 or so. I think we met up and- um, um, You know, remember? I think it was the, mo it might've been the Model 3 event. Was actually. it the Model 3? Huh. Because no, I, I wasn't at the D event. You weren't the at, D the, event. at the D event? Maybe, was it Model 3? My maybe, first Tesla- Maybe it yeah, was the Model 3 then, yeah, was, okay. Was um, the Model X launch in, in Fall of 2015 was the first Tesla event I ever went to okay. shortly after I'd launched the podcast. And yeah, I think because you, you gave me was, a ride. Yeah, you I gave you a ride. ride back to yeah. my hotel, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Down in L.A. at the at the Model 3 event, I think. Yeah, I, I remember um, back in the day, like the whole anticipation from, you know, people was the Model 3. And I know for you personally, also for for quite a while, you were focused on, you know, the Model 3 owning a Model 3, and it finally came to pass. I mean, can you, can, I mean, looking back at the past, let's say, five or 10 years, like, can you believe it's really, you know, all this stuff has happened that's happened with Tesla? You know, and yeah, and, and what I'll tell you is the same thing I've told other people when they've asked. I mean, nobody really asks anymore because nowadays you can get a Model 3 very quickly. Uh, it's, there's no wait for it anymore like there was in the beginning. But, you know, I, I waited two and a third years, two years and four months from the time. And that's just from the time I placed the reservation. I mean, I'd been anticipating that car for a long, long time prior to that, prior to the official unveiling of it back on March 31st, 2016. And what I, what I've said is, and I, and I still feel like this, you know, there aren't a lot of things in life, at least in my opinion, others may feel differently, but I feel like there, there aren't a lot of things in life that you wait that long for, and then they end up as good as you as 
as it was that, that you were anticipating. Like they, they don't necessarily live up to the hype. I mean, it's it's tough because you just you've got so long and you just build your your anticipation up. But the Model Three for me, I specifically waited. I actually could have waited a little less than two years and four months. I guess I could have waited more like two exactly. But I held out for the performance version. No regrets on that. And and what I would say is, I the, the it it more than lived up to the hype. It was worth the wait. That's really it was the Model Three was worth the wait for me. I mean, it has just been. I mean, is it a perfect car? No. Do I have some little paint or build quality issues? Yeah. But like just day in and day out, I still look at it in the garage and go, how how am I so lucky to own this thing? Like this, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember in the early days or the years leading up to getting your Model Three, it was like every week you're saying, "I'm waiting for this Model Three, I'm waiting for this Model Three, and you're deciding what what trim to get, you know? And then you go, "I'm yeah. going to go for it, the the performance, you know, um, and scratch it." And I'm curious, what about the Model Three kind of has surpassed your expectations? Um, how has it been different? That's a good question. I mean, because I'd certainly been around Teslas a while. I talk on the podcast a lot. I have my cousin, Patrick, who lives in Arizona. He was an early Model S owner. He was actually on the waiting list for the S a little before the car came out. He ended up getting his in February 2013. So his VIN is in like the 4,000s of the Model S. So he was there pretty early. And and I've spent a lot of time driving his car, uh, certainly, especially before I got mine. Anytime I would go to Arizona, he was always very, and still is, a very generous guy. He'd be like, here's the key, go have fun. And that was, I would look so forward to that. So, you know, I did have a a sort of expectation of what it was like to drive a Tesla, to have a Tesla, but actually having it every day, I think it's, I mean, it's just like, it's fun on tap, number one. Like if it's, I've had many days, I mean, uh, not as much with the the work from home now because I'm just not driving the car as much with no office to go to. But but I've had plenty of days where I'd come home at the end of a long day and there's a spot that I've got like one particular spot, after a stop sign that's pretty or it's all pretty clear where if I've just had a you know long day, tough day, whatever, I'll come up to that stop sign, do a, a full complete <laughs> stop and uh-huh. then bam, just slam the accelerator and it's you get that roller coaster and it's it is just joy on tap like i can't to this day i cannot help but smile and actually usually i laugh that's my honest i'll tell you usually i i whack the accelerator and then i just i like kind of cackle is is probably the best word to describe it cuz it's just it just taps into some sort of theme park roller coaster like joy and uh so there's that. And then I would say just the, the, the progress of the autonomy and, you know, we we're not there yet. And there's this handful of people as we record this that have the city streets, full self-driving beta. I am not currently one of those people, but just, you know, the anticipation of that. And this, it just seems like there's always something new and interesting to look forward to in the Tesla world. And what's great about it compared to other cars is if you've already bought your car, as you and I have, it, you're still part of that because the software updates will will give you a lot of that stuff. I mean, yes, there are new vehicles. There's the Cybertruck. There's the Roadster. There's the Model 2. There's whatever there's going to be. But because of those software updates, 
you do still get to come along for that ride of, oh, what's this cool new thing that's that's coming down the pipe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I have a December 2017 Model 3 build. And once I get that full self-driving beta build, my car is going to be like the most modern, you know, most advanced yeah. car on the road, basically. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's mind-boggling, you know, it's like almost what, almost three and a half years um, since it's been built. Um, I'm curious, um, with doing so many podcasts, and one of the kind of thing that, things that stick out is just your your diligence and your um, putting it out every week, right, Sunday morning. I'm curious, what have you learned in that process? I think for you personally, kind of doing that day, uh, week in, week out, um, what have you learned about, let's say, um, people, um, Tesla, maybe Elon Musk, what are just some general things that maybe you don't might not share every week in the podcast about Tesla, the company, but just reflecting kind of on the past maybe six years of podcasting, um, doing it so much, like what are some of those things, that, the takeaways that you'll remember maybe five or 10 years later from here? I would say that's a great question. I would say one thing is, uh, and, and one of the reasons that, uh, that I've really enjoy doing this podcast because it has kind of turned into a second job, like a second little part-time job. I mean, my number one obligation will always be to IGN. They pay my salary. They pay my benefits. They keep a roof over my head. You know, the Ride the Lightning is definitely, it is a side project, a passion project, but I put as much time and energy and as I can into that without in, without intruding on IGN or without intruding on my family time as well. Like I, I, I'm doing my best to work that balance and I feel pretty good right now about where that balance is. But to answer your question, I would say it's, it's the diversity and just sheer enthusiasm of the Tesla community. Like that's, that's a large part. I know it sounds cheesy, but that's a large part of what fuels me because on my podcast, I take callers every week and I use air quotes there because it's not a live call in thing people record themselves or I have a little toll free number that you can just leave a message on and it sends me an MP3 file and I'll put, you know, eight, nine, 10 people of those calls on a week. And it's, it's just everybody out there, they have their own perspective and where they live and what their sort of situation is. But there's just this wonderful shared collective enthusiasm for what this new ground that Tesla is breaking this, you know, they're they're pushing on safety, they're pushing on autonomy, they're pushing on performance. They're just pushing on all this stuff that's, you know, you can be excited about any one of those things. Like maybe you just bought your Model 3 because you've got kids and you you say, I want my kids in the safest car on the road, which the Model 3 objectively is, according to the United States government and their crash test ratings. Or maybe you're more like me and you are you just are thrilled by that performance. And it's like, wow, this is like a roller coaster. So you can come in that way. So there's just there's all these ways in and Tesla is pushing forward on all of them at the same time. So it's like, you know, there are I've met a number of people who are they weren't car people before Tesla. They were they were tech guys. They were tech enthusiasts. But Tesla is tech. It's not just car. It's so it's there's just this cool overlap. And I just love the convergence of people I've seen, you know, young and old. I mean, I've I've been I remember when I first got my Model 3, it doesn't happen as much for me anymore because uh, 
I have the good problem of being in the San Francisco area where Teslas are, are very common. That's a that's a good thing. We want you know more of these electric vehicles out there. But when I first got mine and the Model 3 was not quite ubiquitous yet, I remember I came up to a stop sign on my way to taking my daughter to school. And uh, this, this uh, mother was walking her children across the crosswalk in front of me. And uh, one of the, the boy closer on my, on, on my side, closest to me, he looks over the car. He's probably five, if I had to guess. And he just looks over and he just gives me a thumbs up. And it's like, so kids love it. Uh, you know, you talk, young people love it. Middle-aged guys like me love it. Older older people love it. And it's just, it's this awesome just swath of people that it's, you know, it's not just like one little demographic of, you know, whatever the case may be. It is just this, it is just this awesome huge group of people that's only getting bigger because it's, you know, we're still at the tip of the spear on this stuff to, to you know, circle back to what you noted earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember... <clears throat> When I um, had my 2013 Model S, like people were so like shocked or, you know, so interested in it in the early days and everyone would be pointing at, oh my gosh, that's the Tesla, Tesla and kids and everyone. Um, It seems like, you know, fast forward to 2021, um, especially in areas, in urban areas or, you know, dense areas or even just, I mean, I'm in Texas now and Model 3s are, you know, everywhere too. It just seems like it's a different stage where now everything is just accepted that Tesla is, you know, a main car company. Um, At this different stage of Tesla's kind of company life cycle or history, do you feel different about the company? Because, I mean, when you first started the podcast, this was super early on. Tesla didn't even have the Model 3. Um, It was all just, you know, hopes at that time and promises. But now they've delivered, you have the Model Y, you have products. does your does the way you view Tesla change? Also, do you have that excitement? Also, you know, for new products, do you, do you still think it's early, or do you, I mean, what's your kind of general take on Tesla in its history? I I'm I guess the excitement is still there because I mean they're doing stuff like the Cybertruck, which I you know for better or for worse, the reservation count seems to suggest for the better, but you know that. To be fair, time will tell on that, but I don't think any other car company would ever have greenlit the Cybertruck. I just, and and again, that may just be the Tesla fanboy in me talking. Maybe there is some major automaker out there that that would have done it. I don't know. I mean, but it feels like that's not a thing that would have ever come to market. I mean, you look at, there's only been one other stainless steel bodied car in automotive history, as far as mass produced, there've been some one-offs. And that one other car was another American startup that was trying to do things differently. And that's the poster on my wall and the former car in my garage, Mm -hmm. the DeLorean. So it's like, there's a reason that no one else has green lit a stainless steel bodied car. They last too damn long and it costs more and you have to account for the weight factor. And it's just, it's just too different. There's, you know, people aren't going to, these companies aren't going to vie, you know, stray too far from their existing supply chains and all this stuff, but Tesla will, <laughs> they'll do it. They've got, you know, it's just crazy to me, like, cause they've got SpaceX that they can tap into, even though they're not the same company, but it's the Elon verse. 
So they're tapping into SpaceX for the stainless steel alloy. They're tapping into SpaceX to put cold gas thrusters on their hypercar. I mean, it, so it's absolutely still exciting. And what I would say about how I feel about them now is the any sort of lingering sense of fear that that it could all the bottom could fall out and the company could die is is gone now because for a while it was you know the model 3 you know if it if they can't mass produce it are they ever going to make money because as you well know for a long 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 time tesla never made a dime uh, other than a, a, a one off quarter here or there and it was the model 3 that helped take tesla to the next level financially so there was that there's that and then as you also well know the the rampant and calculated and disgusting levels of fear uncertainty and doubt that were put out by nefarious forces just a constant barrage of you know you remember for a while it was one of the one of the early successful bits of fud were the battery fires and even i as someone who did the tesla podcast didn't even own a tesla would just I would talk about Tesla with some, you know, friend acquaintance. It would come up whatever in conversation at a party or something. And it was oh those those catch fire like it that fud worked, and Tesla weathered that and they they've weathered so many things and now they're at the point where I feel like not that the fud's gonna stop it's never gonna stop, but they're they've they've. I feel like the FUD can't hurt them anymore for by and large, or at least it can't defeat them. So I feel definitely more secure about, about the company's future. Whereas before there was that little, you know, nagging doubt, the products were great, but like, Oh, you know, there are these other things that, that could be out of their control and, and that, and that's gone now. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> in 2018, <clears throat> Tesla went through, you know, production hell. You had, um, um, certain tweets that went out that, you know, caused some issues and instability in the company. And you also had concurrently a massive just FUD campaign in the media um, in 2018, early 2019. I mean, did, did you, what was your take on all of that? I mean, I was looking at, you know, media sites day in, day out, like every day there was something negative about Tesla or Elon. Do you think like... I don't know what's like. Was any of this stuff coordinated? Who was behind it? Was it just random chance that everyone just you know, went negative on Tesla? Like, what's your take? I mean, we know a lot of it was short sellers that were you know trying to drive the stock price down so that they would profit. Um, we know. I mean, it was public knowledge that the Koch brothers were funding anti EV advertisements and and other various things. So there, I don't think there was any sort of uh, you know, Illuminati like dark web secret network where it was all part of a master plan. But no, it, it certainly there were coordinated efforts. Uh, and, and it was I mean, for me, it was just it was always, you know, as a Tesla enthusiast and eventually owner, I knew the product was great. And that's at the end of the day, that was that was probably what kept Tesla from succumbing to that FUD was that if someone actually, you know, went out and tried to prove any of this stuff, it was, well, no, go drive the car. Mm -hmm. And you will see like, uh-oh, nope, the car's really good, whether it's the S, the X, the 3. Mm -hmm. 
So that's really what what I kind of held on to. I mean, yes, I'm a Tesla fanboy. Yeah. Certainly, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to be more inclined to believe that they're going to be fine. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's and and, tro- and Tesla has a trophy shelf to prove it with all the awards they've received for the for the uh, particularly the S and the three. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to think about if Tesla's products weren't as good, like could they have survived? You know, all of the onslaught and all of the challenges. It seems like just the the sheer excellence, you know, the sheer just going above and beyond with, you know, their products. Like for me, the Model 3, like it just blew me away. Like I had high expectations for the Model 3, but everything about it just, it just feels like such a, a well-designed, well-loved, you know, well-built car that just is, has the great kind of combination of performance, of practicality, of, of design. And just, it just, I, it just feels like that is perhaps one of the factors that saved Tesla or the the thing that pulled them through. You know, what I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I'm glad you brought this up because you're reminding me of my interview with Franz von Holzhausen, the chief designer at Tesla, which was on episode 220 of my podcast. If any of your viewers are curious to go back and check it out. And mm-hmm. I guess while I'm on the subject, I might as well self plug. Yeah, yeah. uh, I interviewed Elon as well mm-hmm. on episode 200. That's easy to remember. And it was a co- kind of a nice coincidence, episode 200. So if you're curious to check those out. But um, I asked Franz about what was the design goal? What was the goal for the Model 3? And he literally said to make a smaller Model S. And, and you know, he elab- elaborated on that, certainly, which you can hear in the interview. But it's But you look at the car. I mean, that's really what it is. They somehow... Franz and his team, and certainly the engineering team, deserves a, a massive amount of credit too. They they took the Model S, which was uh, named by Motor Trend as the car of the century, uh, and they they took it and they they basically cut the price in half while still retaining basically all of the 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 brilliance of it and the the a lot in a mostly the performance until you go to ludicrous on the S they, they took, they just, they really did achieve that goal of just building a model S, but smaller. And they did it at, and at a, at a much more of a mass market price. And it's, it really is astounding because, you know, it's like they knew that they would be eating into model S sales. They knew they'd be cannibalizing themselves and they did, but they knew it was, for the better of the mission and the future of the company. And cause you, you remember, I mean, Dave, when you bought your car, the model S was, they were selling 50,000 model S's a year at their peak mm-hmm. and about 50, 55,000 X's. And that's down to what? A th- a, almost a third of that at this point, mm-hmm. because it's the model three is, I mean, now we've got the new refresh model S, which is, you know, that sort of remains to be seen, but that's clearly a much, a big improvement in a lot of ways, but, but by and large, the three is 75% of a model S in every way for about 50% of the price. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really just incredible. Yeah. I remember, um, cause that was my, that was kind of my whole, um, hope that Tesla would just shrink the model S, you know, cut the price and just keep most of it. I remember when the model X came out, 
and Tesla was going for all this extra stuff, right? Like they were going for the Falcon wings, the, the pedestal seats and all this stuff. I was kind of getting worried for a bit. I'm like, oh no, I hope they don't try too much for the Model 3 and make a completely different car, you know? And um, when the Model 3 actually came out and it, was, it really was, I think, you know, in a way, a, a scaled down Model 3, but they kept the essence of, you know, why Teslas are so great. Um, it just felt like that was the best thing they could do. You know, they, they, they hit the ball out of the park with the Model 3 yeah. and the Model Y. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why they were able to, you know, weather the storm perhaps over the years. Absolutely. I mean, and to go back to your question on it too, I, I'm convinced that the Model S in 2012, 2013, basically had to be the car of the century. Otherwise, Tesla wouldn't be here today because you know, it was all so new at that point. They're a, they're a startup company. Yes, there was the Roadster as this proof of concept, but if the S wasn't, I mean, it just, it had to convince everyone to give electric a try and give a new company a try. And and it if it had been, if there had been any flaw of any significance, whether it was range, whether it was safety, whether it was, I don't know, if the touchscreen sucked and was slow, like anything, could have could have just prevented it if it if it drove badly if it was just you know not a fun car to drive any million things could have gone wrong on the S and Tesla probably doesn't survive mm -hmm. but the S like to to build off of your analogy I think the S had to be a grand slam home run to give the company a chance to continue and they did it they yeah. stepped up to the plate and was and <laughs> slammed the ball over the fence and they and you're right. I think they absolutely did it again with the Model Three as well, which was which was probably equally critical. Mm -hmm. They had to hit that home run just like they had to hit it with the S. I mean, the X arguably wasn't a home run, particularly in the beginning. Uh, you know, they had some serious build issues with the early Xs, given the complexity you referenced. But um, you know, they've since gotten that to. You know, it's it, that one maybe wasn't like a. a as Elon would say, a bet the company moment. But yeah, the, the S and the three, I, I agree with you, absolutely were. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think most people don't realize how many things had to have gone right for Tesla, you know, for them to have made it to this point. I mean, yeah, it's like, imagine if the car wasn't as safe as, you know, it was, or if there were battery issues, you know, continuously, right. exactly. or just, there's a whole host of different things that <laughs> could have gone wrong. And, and there's a lot of... Um, you know, most of it, I think, was intentional, like um, engineering and skill and diligence and focus. But there was a part of it was it, it's like there's part of it probably is luck to have everything work the way it has worked out for Tesla. Um, have you noticed just the past like year or two, I mean, year and a half, the media coverage of Tesla just kind of flipped on a dime, you know, from 2018, 19, it was so negative, And then it just flipped where it's like all that negativity in the media seems to be almost like just gone and there's a lot of positivity. Have you been like noticing that and what's your take? Yeah, I just think it goes back to what we were talking about the FUD and, and I think they just realized the jig is up on that. The game's over. There's no, you know, it's, they're not, you're not gonna sink Tesla. You're not gonna bring them down, but Tesla still gets major clicks. So put Tesla in a headline, Sure, let's write about the Cybertruck. I mean, even on my podcast, like I, my audience is 100% Tesla enthusiasts and owners. 
And when the Cybertruck was unveiled, my downloads, like my metrics spiked. Like that, the Cybertruck caused such massive positive uh, for the most part. I mean, yeah, there were most, there were, any negative articles usually went like this. This thing was, I thought it was hideous at first, but the function of it's really good. So I kind of came around and love it now. And that's, yeah. So you, you see it's, it's really, I agree. It has turned around and there's a lot more enthusiasm about, about what the company's done because really any, any argument that these, that the, there really isn't a negative argument left because for a while it was, well, yeah, the products are great, but they haven't made any money. Like, well, okay, now they're profitable every quarter and they're on the S and P 500. So they're just, they're out of, they're out of arguments, I think is, is as far as the negativity goes. Yeah. Um, with competition, like how do you view competition? Do you think, um, like what's your take? Are there, um, com uh, I guess, um, competitors or are current OEMs able to produce cars, EVs that can compete with Tesla or, is there something fundamental about what Tesla is doing that just puts them, you know, just way ahead and it's just too hard to catch up? I mean, I, I do think they're absolutely capable of making excellent electric vehicles, uh, but I have not driven one. I cannot give personal experience, but everything I have seen and read about the, the Ford Mustang Mach-E suggests that it is an excellent SUV and it is very, it matches up very nicely to the Model Y. I mean, it's, it doesn't quite have as much range. It doesn't have a, a you know, sort of baked in supercharger network. Uh, it doesn't quite have the same performance, but like there's a lot about it that's really, really appealing. And that's a good thing. But I think where Tesla stays ahead to your point and will continue to stay ahead is uh, Tesla is not bogged down. They don't, they, Tesla spends zero minutes and zero seconds every day thinking about managing or updating or dealing with in any way the existing power, like gasoline powered nature of the business. Cause there isn't one, it doesn't exist. But whereas every other car company, whether it's BMW, whether it's the VW group who, I mean, the VW group's really the only major legacy automaker so far that seems to be taking EVs seriously on a company wide level but they still have to dedicate resources and time to okay well we've got these factories that are there, that are designed and and uh purpose built to to deal with gasoline powered vehicles to make engines and make transmissions and all this stuff and tesla they they don't have any of that they are free of that if you want to call it a burden so they they just spend all day iterating on battery technology and EV drivetrain technology and autonomous technology. And they just, they just, they are full speed ahead all the time in a way that the existing legacy automakers simply can't be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. Um, next five or 10 years we're going to be seeing in terms of how all of the auto landscape uh, turns out. Um, what future um, Tesla products are you most excited about? Uh, I mean, I'm not getting a cyber truck. I actually would, uh, but I live in, uh, in San Francisco, which I am very fortunate to have my home. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it would not fit in my garage. 
and in this the tight street parking of San Francisco, it's too damn big. It's just not. So it's a me problem, not a Cybertruck problem. But uh, I I would love to have a Cybertruck because, uh, as I said, I was lucky enough. I owned my first dream car, which was a stainless steel car, and it's so much better than having a painted car. So much better. There's no waxing. There's no worrying about scratches because a heavy-duty Scotch-Brite pad that you can buy at any store, you brush, you just go with the grain, and you can take scratches out of the car. If some, you know, any whatever happens, something, you know, you brush a ring on it or, God forbid, somebody maliciously keys you, like, it's fine. It's stainless steel. It will come out. It will never rust. If it is dented, a good stainless steel metal worker can reshape it back to complete perfection. There's no need to bondo over anything. There's no need to total it out. It's it, it will, I have seen, I could show you photos of damaged DeLorean panels that look like they're irrecoverable, that are brought back in the hands of a skilled craftsperson to perfect. And so, uh, it's just, yeah, it's, I mean, the Cybertruck is a detailer's worst nightmare. Like my car, I'm, I've, you know, I've, I waited for this thing for so long, Dave, and I'm, and I'm so, it's the most expensive thing outside of our home that I've ever been lucky enough to purchase. So I, and I'm a person, I just, I take care of my stuff anyway. I'm very OCD meticulous about it. So my car, my model three, it's red and it, I had paint correction done to take all the little factory uh, paint flaws out of it. And I had the paint protection film put on it and I had the ceramic coating done so that it, I don't have to wax it. It's like a, it's sort of a long-term wax. And all of that, if you get a cyber truck, you don't need any of that, zero of that. So um, yeah, I'd love to, to have a, a cyber truck because it's, and I just love that it's weird. I love that it's out there and it's completely bonkers and that no one else would build it. Cause the DeLorean was that too, that it can, it really does. I, I know I keep, I sound like a broken record bringing my up my old DeLorean that I don't even own anymore, but there are these just bizarre similarities and parallels where, you know, DeLorean was, he was out there, man. Like Delor John DeLorean rose through the ranks at General Motors He's the father of the muscle car era, if you're not aware of this, if your audience might not be aware of this. He created the GTO, the Pontiac GTO in the 60s, and that started the whole trend of throwing giant motors into kind of regular cars and the whole muscle car era. And he rose up and he was the head of Pontiac. And then he decided he he looked at he looked at Pontiac and went, you know, this was of course in the late 70s when Detroit cars were by and large extremely boring. And they were just, it was planned obsolescence. They were going to rust out after five or 10 years. And he wanted to do something out there. So he went and starts his own car company and builds a gullwing doored, which he did because he was a very tall man and he didn't want to like have to sit on the floor and scoot in. A gullwing is nice and easy for tall people. A gullwing doored stainless steel car that would outlive its owner. And, and, Tesla's out here in 2020, 2021, doing the same stuff, just building a a, yeah. a, a, a CG a CG truck in real life out of stainless steel. That's yeah, I love it. So that's exciting. And then um, the Roadster, that is an interesting thing because 
what's the SpaceX package going to be like in real life? Like we've heard Elon talk about it a little bit where, okay, there's like some, some cold gas thrusters around the bottom of the car and then two that'll appear James Bond style with the license plate dropping down and, and it'll make the car go like mad on the track. And what's that going to really be like? Like I still have people, Tesla enthusiasts that, that don't believe the SpaceX package is real. They think that Elon's kidding around. And it's like, no, not a joke. It's going to be a real thing. So yeah, it's, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be wild. I mean, you know, then there's the model two and, and who, you know, that's probably going to be a very much a, you know, that might not be a sexy thing necessarily. Cause that, that car is going to be all about taking the mission of Tesla to the next level and, and producing a, you know, very mass produced $25,000 car. But there's just, there's never a dull moment with Tesla as, as proven by the fact that I've now been rambling on your, on your video here, your show for the last 10 minutes on this. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, it's all cool stuff. Um, I mean, with um, stainless steel, like how far do you think Tesla can take this? I mean, um, can they make a model two out of stainless steel? It doesn't make sense in terms of cost and production. Is it, or does it incur some challenges where it's not really going to be for the economy, you know, model two car? I am not, I admit, I do not have the engineering know-how to, to really answer that in a knowledgeable way. I mean, my hope is that you're correct and that this, and that model two will be a cyber car because if it is, that is the one thing that could get me to trade in my DeLorean is a, is a, if, cause again, cyber trucks, not quite for me again, just my, my life here in San Francisco, it's not quite a fit for me, but if Tesla built a cyber car, I would option it up to the lo highest range, longest range, highest performance that they offer. And I would, I would thank my model three for however many years of wonderful service. And I would happily take a stainless steel car that I, again, did not have to worry about, did not have to yeah. wax, did not have to do anything <laughs> to. So I'd be, but I'd be all for it, but it's a good question. I don't know. I mean, um, that car is going to be all about, as you said, it's going to be all about manufacturing efficiency and I mean, the, the cyber truck is supposedly as cheap as it is starting at $40,000, despite the fact that it's a full size pickup uh, with at least 250 miles of range, because as we've been told that the stainless, the process is, you know, that it's just the origami folding of the body and then you slap the drivetrain in and, and, and you're basically done and there's no paint shop, there's you know, that the, that the manufacturing and assembly process is much simpler. So if that can be scaled to a point where to, to a million cars a year, which is probably what the model two is going to be trying to do, then yes, I think they'll do it. And, and, and maybe it is possible because I was lucky enough to attend battery day last September. And I, at the Q and a, I, I was fortunate enough to, I got to ask Elon a question in the Q and a, and I asked him, what do you think the the ultimate yearly production level will be for the Cybertruck. And he said 250 to 300,000. So if they can build a quarter million Cybertrucks a year at a, at a, in a way that economically works for Tesla, well, with a, with a, another, another few years of manufacturing experience and what they learned about making the Cybertruck, can they scale that to a million and sell it for 25,000? 
Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's possible. I mean, it's possible, like, far more than a million. I mean, if it's at the right price, you know? I mean, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's interesting if they can, like, as you're saying, if they could make a Cybertruck for 40000 and a sedan, a smaller sedan, let's say even slightly smaller than the Model 3, I right. mean, that's, like, that's probably, like, half the mass of, you know, a Cybertruck or something. Exactly. Probably less than half the batteries. They probably, you know, that would be an interesting product. And you put in the million-mile battery, million-mile battery train or powertrain, and you've got a car that's going to last, like, how long? You know, it's gonna last like 30, 40 years or something. It's gonna be crazy. DeLoreans still look new. The bodies. <laughs> if again, uh -huh. unless they've been scratched up and but like if you if you had seen my car before I sold it, and I, I don't say this egotistically, but I did I took a lot, you know, I just told you I, I'm meticulous with my stuff. I took a lot of pride in that car. Yeah. You would never I mean, the design is still pretty 1980s, right? But like if you looked at the body, you'd think it just came out like stainless. That's what I'm telling. That's that's the thing that future Cybertruck owners out there that may be watching this video. That is the one thing as as my unique experience of owning a stainless steel car. That is what I think you are. You do not yet fully understand and appreciate. <laughs> and that's not your fault, but it's you're going to come to love the fact that your car has a stainless steel body. It is the best <laughs> um are you ever tempted to to pick up a, a delorean again like to, to yes. get one yeah really <laughs> I, yeah i mean <laughs> I, it's i i probably have to wait till my nine-year-old daughter goes off to college and we pay for that and yeah. maybe there are there are life things to sort through but um and where and garage space if i you know i've got my Model Three, and and uh, you know, probably gonna uh, plan to add another Tesla to that in a couple of years. Yeah. But uh, the yeah, uh, the one, the only thing that stopped that's that even has that I hesitate for with the idea of buying another DeLorean because again, it really does have a special place in my heart. It was my dream car as a kid when I saw because I'm 40. So mm -hmm. when Back to the Future came out, I was five years old. I was just the right age. It, that car I saw, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I ended up lucky enough to buy one when the mm. values were really low in the late 90s. And I mean, but they've still the DeLorean is still not a super crazy expensive car. Like you can pick up a nice DeLorean for 40 grand. So it's you know, yeah. not like dirt cheap, yeah. but it's it's not like a six figure car. The one thing that that slows me down is just I don't I, I cared for that car very well, but. Do I want to do I want to care for do deal with the maintenance on a 40 year old gasoline powered car? Because now I'm spoiled by my Tesla, which has virtually no maintenance. And DeLoreans are not bad cars, contrary to some popular myth or opinion out there. They're good cars when they but they're old. So any car that's old, you know, it can be like playing whack-a-mole where it's like, oh, replace the fuel pump. But oh, the the AC compressor just went so it's that it's like mm -hmm. i do i want to deal with that again maybe maybe not we'll see but it's it's a very good problem to even <laughs> want to contemplate <laughs> um uh, for your model three performance like what kind of paint protection did you do like expel or something or my yeah my detailer so that uh, mm -hmm. i've learned a little bit about the detailing world yeah. just through my detailer i'm going to give them a plug if you're ever in the san francisco bay area and you need a great detailer immaculate reflections irdetailing.com. His name is Jeff, the gentleman that runs it. Uh, he 
he's not only a brilliant detailer, very meticulous, which matches up with my personality. He is just a, a sweetheart of a human being. I could not recommend him enough, but um, he, he likes there. What, anyway, what I've learned is that there are a few different uh, paint protection film brands out there and they're each a little different, but the technology is very much evolving. Like it's, it's getting better all the time. Uh, the current, his current preference is S tech. So maybe, maybe not as much of a household name. Like yeah. e you mentioned expel, which yeah. I had heard of. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, S tech is his, is his go-to for, for the time just, being. Did you just do just the front or did you do the whole body? I did the whole car. Cause wow. again, I'm a maniac, but, yeah, yeah. um, but it's actually yeah. saved me personally three times. Really? Oh. Uh, I've had, I've had damage. One of them was self-inflicted. I, I went into my narrow garage too close and I heard it. I just heard Ouch. that and I went, oh no. And the, over the right wheel well, the rear right wheel well, I just come in and just grazed it and it shredded the paint protection film. But when I got it over to Immaculate Reflections and he peeled it off to survey the damage, I had just only I'd gotten it just enough where the film saved me there. It did not wow. go through and get the paint. So nice, I nice. am, I am a living testimonial wow. Well, my car. My car is a rolling testimonial to the benefits of full body paint protection yeah. film. So yeah, I'm a big believer. I would, pr I will probably do any future Tesla, uh, that I super care about, which is going to be any Tesla. Cause I super care about Tesla's. Yeah. Any Tesla I have moving forward that has paint on it, as opposed to stainless steel, I will, I will budget for full body paint protection film. I, wow. it's, it saved wow. my bacon. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I'm the, I'm the kind of the opposite. So on my first model S, you know, it was a, it was like, you know, this new or newer, I actually got it. Um, it had been a used model s but the person had only driven it like 1000 miles and oh wow yeah it was an older gentleman actually and he he just yeah he only driven for 1000 miles in like six months or something so i got it pretty new but i remember um i went full full body you know expel film uh, protection film <clears throat> and like the first day i got it i took it over and then i was driving it out of the installer's like garage and back then the model s didn't have lines in the backup camera it right. was just like you yes. couldn't really see and i was like what is this right so i was driving out and i i was backing out and i hear this big old bam and my left rear um kind of quarter panel there had slammed against this brick wall and i went outside and it was just like messed up. It was just like oh. dented in, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you're kidding me, right?" And um, the that the, hurts me to hear. The, yeah, the paint protection film didn't do anything. You know, just like not against um, a brick wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um, with my Model Three, I'm like, you know, forget it. Like, I'm just gonna see what happens if I don't need anything. And it's been like what over three years, and it looks great still. Like, I I don't know. It's just. I think some people give, you know, they, they think Tesla or the paint, they're like, whatever, but I'm like, it's great for me. It's, it just like, looks like new to me. So I don't know. I'm kind of on the other side where I'd rather save that money, you know, for something else. I, and, and honestly, like I, I salute you and I envy you. Like I am just not mentally wired to, to 
I wish, like, I'm genuine, I genuinely wish I could be like that where I'm just, cause there, I know there are plenty of people that are probably in the comments right now. Uh, it's just a car. It gets scratches. It gets beat up. But again, it's, I, I have this OCD personality where I've paid a fortune for this thing and I want to, I want it to look pristine and I want, you know, it's, I mean, I'm sure on some like deep psychological level, it's probably like an ego thing, but yeah. that's, we should probably save my, my psychology session for another <laughs> episode. But, but yeah, like I totally respect and understand yeah. people who are just like, yeah. can just like, yep, it's a, it's a car. It's going to get wear and tear over time. Um, yeah. I I'm wired the other way where I, I want to try and keep it as perfect as I can for as long as I can. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't say I don't think anybody should be like me. In fact, like I said, it's probably healthier to not be like me. Yeah, I think something about like um, for me, like right when I got it, that first it was like, you know, the first time I was driving it, just crashing it. It kind of just like gave up the dream of this like perfect great car. I remember. Right. Yeah. The, right. the other <laughs> other time that happened in my life was I remember like in high school, I was dreaming about this um, guitar. And like, it was called an ovation guitar. It was like my friend, one of my friends had it. And, you know, for, for a few years I was dreaming about it. And I finally got like this guitar. Yeah. And I was playing it um, actually in front of a large, a larger group of people. And I stuck on the, the strap and it was my first time playing in front of people. And it was like the f second day I got it. And I stuck on the strap, I put it on me and then I was about to play and then it just, dropped on the tile floor and it just cracked the whole guitar like, in multiple places and it basically just shattered the front of the whole guitar and cracked the middle and and i was just like devastated and it was in front of like 100 people wow, that's, <laughs> and, that's tough. and after that like i've never looked at a guitar the same like it's always just been something like whatever <laughs> but um yeah i think um yeah i, I could i could relate though too wanting you know that that um that ideal uh car or product um so um moving on cybertruck um do you think uh it's gonna come out soon i mean we had some mixed signals like tesla's website is saying you know it's still end of 2021 elon is hinting that you know there might be limited quantities you know we might have to wait till 2022 for full production do you think you know this is going to be a rough production because it's a new process or do you think that tesla is in a different place now. They are sandbagging stuff. They're figuring it out, and they're gonna, you know, produce a lot of these um, in early 2022. I totally get the the optimism of yeah, Elon's sandbagging stuff now, like with the Plaid S and and with the Y. And I I'm I want to be with you on that for for the Cybertruck, but I think I feel like all the signals that Elon is sending is prepare yourself for 2022 on this because, uh, you know, he gets asked about it. It was on the earnings call and and it's gone from, you know, we expect to start production in late 2021 to now he's just saying, well, we might be able to get a couple out the door in, in late 2021. So it does seem like they're just trying to maybe soften the blow a little bit. And, and yeah, it's, it's just tough to know. Like you're, you're right that while like model Y hit the ground running and, and came out six months early, but that was it because it, it shared not just 
roughly three quarters of the same parts as the Model 3 that they were already at volume production with, but also the same, to your exact point that you just made, the, the Model Y has the same manufacturing and assembly process that the Model 3 has, whereas the Cybertruck is going to be a totally new animal. You know, no paint shop and just how are we, how are we, we, we've got our, our stainless steel rolls and we're going to fold them up and we're going to assemble these things and you know, throw them on the drivetrains and get the interiors loaded up. And there's the, the cool like paper material dash and all this. I mean, that's just a part, I guess they'll put in, but um, yeah, it's, it is going to, I'm sure it is going to be a learning curve uh, at first. I mean, every, every Tesla, quite frankly, every comp, every car at every company, car company, is always slowest at the beginning of, of production. They always speed up as they go. So yeah, it's uh, it does seem like, I mean, I, if I had a Cybertruck reservation, even if I'd gotten it the first minute of when the website went up on reveal night, I would not be holding my breath for that thing this year. I mean, I would, I would be, I would be expecting I mean, probably expect spring 2022 and be pleasantly surprised if it's if it's any earlier than that. Mm -hmm. um, but they'll get there. That's yeah. that's the thing about Tesla, right? Is these crazy things that they say they're going to do, they always get done, and and usually to the same quality or whatever the bar is, they hit that bar that they initially say, and often they they surpass it, whether it's in range or it's in performance. It just, they just don't hit the timeline. That's always the thing that, but they, they do always get there. It's not like, you know, I remember when the Chevy Volt, the initial Volt with a V, the concept of that, I remember that car thinking, wow, that's a really nice looking car and it's going to have this, you know, half electric drivetrain. And then the car came out, the final production car, and it looks basically like somebody at GM went, the Prius sells really well, so just kind of make it look like that so we can woo those buyers. And and the Volt, the first generation one, was kind of, I wouldn't say it was ugly. Like, the Prius is ugly, if you ask me. But, um, you know, it didn't it would, don't, didn't live anywhere up to the to the visual standard of of the concept. But Tesla does the opposite. They'll they'll meet or exceed what they initially set out to do, it just usually takes them longer than they say it's going to. Yeah. Um, have you um, seen a Cybertruck in person yet? I was very fortunate to attend, to be invited to the event. So I nice. not only got to go and see it, I, I got a test ride. So nice, I, nice. My, yeah, I've got my little test ride video. I just uploaded the straight cool. raw footage from my phone to my YouTube channel, which, cool. which that's like one of the only videos on there because it's just, yeah. My my audio podcast is on YouTube. It's just it's just a logo and you're listening to it. There's no video. But but yeah, I do have a mm -hmm. I do have my test ride footage on there. So yeah, I, I was very fortunate to get to ride in it. Yeah. So um yeah, so I was there also at the reveal and got a test ride. So what was your impression like seeing the Cybertruck in person, um seeing it come out to pick up people, you know, riding in it, like how is how is it different? I guess than just for example, if you would have been at home watching, you know, the event on video with and pictures. Seeing it, well, I want to. My initial thinking is I want to use profanity to describe my response, <laughs> but I'm not going to do it. Um, 
but it is it is messed up seeing it in like it's just it just doesn't look like it belongs in this world because just because it is so different than any other car any other production car that's ever existed um and it's because you remember so they had they would you were in line and uh the the truck they it would go out it would sort of disappear from your view and go out onto a street the frontage road that they had closed off you do a quick loop and they would bring you back so then like every minute minute and a half the cyber truck would reappear stop dump people out load people in and then zip back out and go again and they also had, as they do at every Tesla event, they'll, they had a Model X and I think S, perf, you know, P100D performance test rides. So imagine, you know, they were trying to sell some cars like, hey, well, while you're here, if you want to just get a ride in a P100D, go for it and maybe you'll want to buy one. And so there was, you may remember, there was a Model X sitting there right near the area where the Cybertruck came and and loaded and unloaded people. And so this, I was, you know, you're, I'm, it was a long wait in line. Not that I can complain. I was lucky to get to be there and be in it, but I'm waiting in line a long time. So I'm just watching this thing come and go over and over. And you'd see it come up and go like, go right by the Model X. And like the Model X, as you said, it's a, it's a, it's a strange car in itself, not necessarily in the design per se. The, the Model X design is pretty polarizing. Some people really like it. Some people think it looks like a pregnant Prius. You know, it's it's a little mixed. But the mod and the Model X, as you know, is a big. It's a big SUV. It is. It is a. It's a full size SUV. It's not small. The Cybertruck comes by, and again, part of it. It. I go back to it, and for the seventeenth time in this interview, the stainless steel, like. When you see a stainless steel car next to a regular painted car that your your entire life has trained you to be used to seeing, it's weird. Like, and so it's because stainless steel. What you're going to learn when all of you get your cyber trucks is um, it it reflects light. It it reacts to light very differently than than just painted aluminum or painted steel, like a regular painted car. In the sun, it can be blinding. Like if you if you happen to be like it really will 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 like amplify the sun. It will also be hot to the touch, FYI. Um, but at night, which is when the Cybertruck reveal was, I love the effect of stainless steel under artificial light because it kind of gets the the artificial night lighting kind of glows across the entire body of the thing. So you just have this. Cybertruck coming back and it goes right next to the Model X and you just have this like glowing polygonal wedge that just comes by and it and the other reason I bring up the Model X is because the Cybertruck which may be kind of a surprise to a lot of people out there cuz you think it's a full-size truck and in your head you think okay it's a full-size truck it's big it is large. The next time you are in a parking lot and you see a Ford F-150, that's how big a Cybertruck is. So this thing, it dwarfs the Model X. It makes the Model X look tiny next to it. So that's 
I'm at the point now, Dave. I don't even remember the original question. I've been rambling so long about <laughs> no, 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 no. So you um, see, I get wound up about this stuff. No, no, That's just no, what, no. I, what I do. No, what's awesome about this is <laughs> I finally found someone who I could, you know, um, commiserate with that experience because, in some ways, it's a little bit traumatic seeing this cyber truck come up, and in 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 the night light, it is frightening in a sense. Like it's it's yeah. huge. I mean, it looks unreal like the way it, it comes in and it's got that night rider kind of light light going back and forth or or that headlight or, or not back and forth just it headlight yeah it was just, yeah, a, it was just a, a big light bar yeah, yeah. On, the, on the top of it and it's coming and like people might think this is an exaggeration but like i would like it, it makes I, I would imagine some people were almost peeing in their pants when the cyber is coming in because <laughs> it's 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 just really like just daunting it's just and then people are getting into this car and you're thinking those people are gone forever (laughs) 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 this 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 you know alien or monster of a truck is taking them gone you know it's over it's like (laughs) exactly right (laughs) um on that note like tell me so what was your reaction to the interior when you got in it I mean, the interior, it's a little bit sparse. I mean, it's huge. I, I thought it was just huge. It's it big inside. Um, it's Tesla interior, a little bit more rudimentary or sparse. Um, I thought actually the, the thing that stuck out with my test ride was how it maneuvered. It just felt like nimble car, you know, kind of like a Model X, but it just feels so much bigger out from the exterior than a Model X, you know, but it feels like it's a nimble car. And so I was like, I was struck by how big and frightening this car really is, but also in the test ride, how nimble and the performance, you know, of the truck. Yeah. I, I actually felt like, and it, so just to put this in perspective, like if, if people out there watching this think that it looks Blade Runner, it looks cyberpunk from the outside, my opinion when I got in it, I thought it was even more cyberpunk inside. Mm-hmm. And Part of it was the sparseness of it, to 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 echo what you said, but also just the it over your head. So I was sitting. Where, where were you sitting in the car in the truck? Probably middle back. Middle. Think. That's exactly where I sat. Uh-huh. Middle back. Middle in the second row. Yeah. And it's you look like it's you have this giant flat piece of glass in front of you, you know, which it's kind of like the Model X experience, except it's flat. So there's just something weird about it. Big, giant, flat piece of glass. And then it's basically peeking over your head if you're in the second row. And then it's starting, and then there's another giant piece of glass that's going back down. And so, yeah, in I thought the inside was was even more cyberpunk feeling than the outside of the thing was. <laughs> Did you have any get or inclination or expectation that Tesla might do a stainless steel body at all before no. they revealed it. In, really? in fact, I'm, gl- I'm so glad you, you just reminded me. Um, you so there was a party out front before the event and mm. they had, you know, this, cause it was, they had encouraged everyone to dress cyberpunk dress blade runner. And they had some, some blade runner movie prop cars. Uh, and they had two, you know, professionals that were every few minutes were doing this Tesla coil display and it would arc this electric, you know, they had the whole thing, but they had a DeLorean sitting amidst 
the cars. And I remember, so I come up to the DeLorean, and of course, I mean, I've got a long history with it, and people are like, Ryan, what, 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 look at this. And before going in, before going into the event and seeing the truck, because you remember, none of us had really any idea yeah. what ultimately this thing was going to look like or that it was going to be stainless steel. I'm, I'm out here. I was out there standing next to the DeLorean and I'm talking to some friends. And I remember, I, I vividly remember saying, like, I don't understand why this is here. It doesn't fit the cyberpunk motif. It, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. Like, it's cool that there's a DeLorean here. And I was talking to the, the handler. It wasn't even the owner. It was like some movie prop company or something. And I was just like, I don't understand why there's a DeLorean here. And it turns out it was because it was a stainless steel car. They were, they were trying to tell us before we went in, Dave, that, <laughs> that they were going to do this. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that was just wild to me. I mean, when I was one of the people where when it rolled out, I hated it. I was like, this is awful that what has Elon done? This is a disaster. And then it took me about 24 to 48 hours. And the, and I completely, I 180, I absolutely 180. I just went, mm -hmm. you know what? The price is incredible. The function is incredible. And I will say again, just my, with my personal history, the stainless steel, when I learned it was stainless cause they didn't even say it until like midway through the presentation that helped flip me quite a bit because I know from firsthand experience, the benefits of owning a stainless steel car. And so, yeah, it just, it seemed like that was a lot of people's reaction. Like I talked to a few people at the event that felt the same way that we were all just like, Oh no. I remember what I, happened. And I remember then I remember when we he, all flipped. We yeah. were all like, yes, it's great. Yeah, I remember when the when Elon brought the cyber check out at the event, everyone at the event was just like, What is going <laughs> is this for real? <laughs> just it was a shock, you know. <laughs> there was no like ex excitement or anything. It was just like pure, just like it was one of the most classic, I guess, more memorable moments in Tesla history, I think. You know? No doubt. But, I mean, uh, it, it's right there with the the roadster coming off the back uh, of the semi truck exactly. at the at the semi event where there wasn't even supposed to be a supercar. Exactly. It, yeah, it was. Which I I didn't get to go to that one, but yeah, being mm. at the Cybertruck event was a a special memory for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, I think um, definitely. I, I I actually appreciate you know just the conversation here because. I've been telling people like, like they, people don't know what the, what what they're getting into with the Cybertruck. Yeah, like this this is really different, and this is <laughs> this is unlike any other car on the road right now. It's gonna stick out. It's 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 big. It's mean. It's just crazy, you know. And this is and I I don't think Tesla and Elon has been have they haven't been pumping in it at all. You know, they're just kind of like taking their time, chilling out, you know, waiting for the car to speak for itself. But once you start seeing this this truck on the road it's like yeah, it's changing i, I yeah. would argue that in 2022 next year let's call it a year and a half from now when they're both out i would argue that you could be at a supercharger with a cyber truck charging next to a next generation tesla roadster and more people are going to come up to the cyber truck than they're going to come up to the roadster that's how mm -hmm. insane the truck is yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's just something, there's something about it. You know, you just can't put to words. Um, the, yeah. Actually, real quick, uh, just the other uh, thing I want to add, this, I just thought of this. 
my my I've said this on my podcast, but to any of your viewers who are getting a Cybertruck, the 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 other thing that you need to mentally prepare for with regard to the stainless steel, uh, which which you just reminded me of about a you know about it drawing attention, fingerprints. Stainless steel not only fingerprints very easily, but there's just something about human nature that I learned over 12 years with a DeLorean. And the, because no other cars are stainless steel, people are going to see it and just there's something it's I don't even think it's a conscious thing for a lot of them. They're just going to touch it. They're just going to be like, what is this? And they're going to touch it. And I think in most cases, they're not trying to be disrespectful. They're not trying to be rude. But there's just something where they're just like, what? So you are going to come out to your cyber truck after you've been at the grocery store or wherever you've been. There are going to be fingerprints on it. It, that made me really mad for a little while when I first got my DeLorean because I just felt like people weren't being respectful of someone else's property before I had to get over it and, and remind myself, you know what? It's stainless steel. You take Windex, spritz it with Windex and paper ta and, and, and the fingerprints are gone. There's no permanent damage. It's fine. But just to mentally prepare your audience who are Cybertruck reservation holders, <laughs> it's going to get fingerprinted. Got it. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, man. Stainless steel. I mean, I think, yeah, the Cybertruck definitely is um, my most anticipated product of Tesla's future. Um, definitely, I want to get one of the first ones. Um, so full self-driving, like, I mean, you're kind of like, you know, a car guy and you've had DeLoreans, you right? DeLorean, you, you know, you, you view your Tesla experience largely through a lens of a, you know, a vehicle car owner and full self-driving though. I mean, this changes the dynamics of what it means to like own a car and to drive a car. You know I mean? This is now the car is going to drive you. You're not going to drive the car. How do you feel about that? In the long term, it's we, I don't even think we can, I mean, I'm sure there are smart people much smarter than me that have actually thought it through, but I think most of us, even most of us who are Tesla owners who have paid for this software, don't even understand, and I'm including myself in this, we don't even understand the degree to which this could alter life. Like, if you have uh, an elderly parent or relative who can't or shouldn't drive, who, you know, you could, you could send, you could be at work and you could send the car to them and it can take them anywhere they want to go or need to go or, you know, bring them over to your house. You know, it's stuff like that and stuff like right now. So every holiday up until the last one with COVID, I typically I, I have driven my Model 3 to the Phoenix area where I uh, used to live, where I mostly grew up. I'm originally from New Jersey, but most of my family is now in Arizona. My parents are there and over, over the holidays, I'll go there and I'll drive because then I can bring my dog, Daisy, who's just down behind me here. Uh, and that's a, it's a, it's about a, um, I guess the quickest I've done it in the model three so far as I kind of get to know, all right, maybe I can charge a little less here and just, just make it to the next charger. I mean, it's still from San Francisco to Phoenix is in a Tesla 14 hours, maybe something like that, 13, 14 hours. And so in a, uh, in an actual full self-driving scenario, guess what? We're leaving at 9 PM 
or, you know, maybe even after dinner, like we're going to eat at seven o'clock. We're going to leave at eight o'clock. Then we're just going to, I'm just going to, just going to zonk out in the car and in the morning. And then I guess uh, maybe we'll get robo snake chargers at some point, but even if not, okay, every two hours, three hours, it gets to a supercharger, pulls in, beeps at me to wake me up. And then I just get out and plug in and, and, it, and it's like, and then by morning, <laughs> I'm, I'm at my parents' house. So it, stuff like that, it's just like, it's wild to consider the possibilities when the technology is finally there. Mm -hmm. um, like in your, I mean, I've, I've listened to some of your stuff where you're saying that you think, you know, the full self-driving monthly subscription price is going to be higher than what someone or some people think, I think your friend was saying this, he's betting $99 a month, right. but you're thinking at least 199. Do you think it could, I mean, is it going to go up even higher? You think like over time or what's your take on kind of, you know, because at a certain point it just gets so pricey, like, you know, only certain people can afford it. But if it's too low price, then, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like, this is a $10,000 option right now and it's not even released, you know? So Tesla wants to accrue some value from this. Um, what are your thoughts on this whole monthly subscription thing that supposedly might be released in Q2 next quarter? Well, I think to answer your point about, about it might be too expensive for some people, I think the 10K, we're already there for a lot of people. I've heard that feedback from a number of people in my podcast audience. It's, you know, we went from four figures to five. It is a five figure option on, let, 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 put it, look at it this way. You can buy what is now a 37, 37,000 bucks for a standard range plus model three. That is by all accounts, a great car. 37 grand gets you 263 miles of range, basic autopilot, all the software updates for free. And all, you know, a, a nice interior, all this stuff, uh, you know, it's, you're getting a, a, I think a pretty incredible value for a $37,000 electric car, a Tesla, no less. But the idea of converting that to full self-driving by at, you're adding over a quarter, you're adding like, I don't know, what is that? 27, 28% of, you're adding like a huge cost on top of the cost of the car that's that's a lot that's a lot for a lot of people to swallow when the whole point of tesla's mission is to get as many electric cars out there as possible now their mission so far isn't to get as many autonomous cars out there as possible I mean, it's clearly a huge factor in tesla's present and future but the you know primary mission is just get the gas cars off the road and get to sustainable energy cars but yeah, that's where it's, Elon says it's going to keep going up over time. And I would presume that includes the cost of the monthly option, the, as you, as you said there, but yeah, I, I don't, I, per, I can to the, at this moment, I don't see it the same way Elon sees it where, you know, he keeps saying, well, it's going to make your car worth a hundred thousand dollars. And it's like, well, maybe, but. The fact of the matter is there are early adopter, there are early adopter Model S and Model X owners that paid, I guess, $8,000 total for enhanced autopilot plus FSD 
back in 2016. We're coming up on five years for those people, and they have not. They have not. They do not. Do not have a full self-driving car. So, the the idea of, like, I know, I I love his optimism and that yes, this is going to revolutionize everything and it's going to give your car a hundred thousand dollars of value. You know, it can work for you as in the robo taxi fleet during the day. But I just. I think the price is still is is too far ahead right now of of what's actually being delivered and and maybe in Q2 that all changes right when when this you know you've seen the YouTube videos of the beta that's out there and it is far from perfect but it is a significant step forward by all accounts so yeah maybe maybe in a few months this that whole value proposition changes but for now, yeah, I think there's just a lot of people eager to see what that subscription option might look like because they they understandably don't feel like ten thousand dollars is is a fair price for what's currently being offered. Sure. Um, do you? What's your t- your take on the timeline of how full self driving can roll out? Do you expect it by the end of the year to go to wide release to all Tesla owners who have paid for the option? Do you think? For example, RoboTaxi um, is possible in a municipality by the end of this year or even, let's say, by the end of next year? Or are you more conservative saying, you know, we've got to wait and see? I I don't share Elon's optimism that that RoboTaxis will be prevalent by the end of the year. Um, I mean, because that is, level four is, that's like, I believe it's driver can be, us, like it has to be in the seat, but doesn't have to be attentive, if I remember correctly, the, the actual definition of level four. Because I think level five, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, I believe level exactly. five's definition is no steering wheel. There are no inputs. But I think four is it the car can do anything, but there is a there is a there are manual controls there for a for a human to take over. And it's I mean, I I don't based on even the FSD beta, which again, I know it's a beta, it's evolving, but it's, and it's making great progress, but I don't see it that soon. But I also, I don't work on the autopilot team. If I were seeing this stuff every day and seeing where the code base is going, maybe I would completely feel differently. And maybe I'd be absolutely right behind Elon when, when he says that. So, I mean, that's, this goes back to that exciting future we talked about where, that's what makes it fun to do a Tesla podcast every single week is there's just there's always something new and and not just new, but like world changingly exciting like this to to talk about and to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> here's um, a question from a viewer, Emmett Peppers, or actually he's a guest, frequent guest on my channel. He asks, um, does um, Ryan think much about the future of gaming in a Tesla? Um for example, with I the new should Tesla- probably think about it more. <laughs> For example, with the new Tesla Model S in the back seat, right there's that console. Also, when we are in fully self-driving Teslas, so yeah, I mean, do you think Tesla has the potential to become a major gaming platform in a sense, or is it just there aren't enough vehicles on the road or like to? be a platform in that, of a, in that true sense, you know? I mean, you've got like a billion, you know, you know, phones out there that's a real right. platform, but 
you know, when are you going to get a billion cars? So, I mean, how do you kind well, of put, wrap your head around Tesla as perhaps a gaming platform or just a gaming experience inside of Tesla? Well, I'll, I'll be honest and tell you that the second screen, the, the eight inch second screen in the second row of the new SNX, I never saw that coming. I should have probably, but I just never thought about that. I was always so focused on that front primary display mm -hmm. and we'd get to full self-driving at some point and then you'd be able to game on that while the car drives. I never even thought about the, a second screen in the rear seat, but they've not only gone and done that, they've, they've upgraded the MCU system to what I'm referring to until told otherwise is MCU three, uh, that, that is a 10 teraflop computing power, which, which rivals the PlayStation five and Xbox series X that are behind me right now. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and, and yeah, it's like, uh, the, the installed base of the, of the Xbox one is like 50 million and the switch is Nintendo switch is a little higher than that. And the PlayStation four is, is a hundred million plus. And yeah, we're, we are heading for those numbers in the next, you know, 10, 20 years with Tesla, because you remember from battery day, the, the goal is by 2030 that Tesla is making 20 million cars a year. And even if we, uh, to our point earlier about Tesla not hitting their timelines, but achieving the thing they said they would just later, let's say they make it halfway. They could be making 10 million cars in, in 10 years from now, if you and I sit down and do this again, 10 million cars after they made, for context, again, 500,000 a year ago. So that's, you suddenly you have a, a, a large enough install base where you could totally become a gaming platform and sell games and, and have that be a revenue stream for Tesla and have developers that are building games just for the car. However, it, it could also easily end up being the case where maybe they just support Microsoft's xCloud, their, their cloud gaming initiative where I can have my Xbox at home and all the games I have and then just stream, stream the games I own and play them in my car. So there are, it's, it's tough to predict gaming 10 years out. Uh, it's, it would be even more difficult for me to predict gaming in, a full self-driving car and what that could look like in 10 years, other than that it's definitely going to be a thing. We are absolutely going to be playing video games in our cars whenever we want in 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious, I want to find out, I want to learn about your this intersection between, let's say your work at IGN, which focuses more on video games, entertainment news, and Tesla. So, you know, you've shared in the past how you know, your first priority is your job with IGN. Um, and the Tesla podcast is a passion side project, even though it takes an immense amount of time. Um, what about IGN puts it above your podcast with Tesla? Um, is it, is there something about gaming that they, draws they put you food on my table? Dave. <laughs> and besides that, let's say, let's say hypothetically, <laughs> let's say hypothetically, um, IEGN paid the same and Ride the Lightning podcast paid the same. Would What would you do in that case? Oh, well, I mean, that would be a very wonderful, that would be the opposite of a Sophie's choice. That would be <laughs> the best choice of all time. Um, 
well, gosh, I'd probably still try to find a way to do them both at that point. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, is there something about gaming that just really pulls you in? Um, besides, I mean, yeah, besides the salary, for example. I mean, yeah, I've been gaming since I was a kid. There's, there's mm -hmm. a reason. I mean, I'm not, I didn't just like happen to get hired at a, mm -hmm. at a video game media company. Like <laughs> I, I do this because it's been my dream since I was a kid. I've, uh, again, being, being 40, you know, uh, I was the, I'm like the right age to have come up with the original Nintendo. You know, I'm a little, the Atari was the 2600 was a little before my time, but Nintendo, I'm right there. I'm one of the Nintendo kids of the eighties. And, uh -huh. and, uh, I just, it's, it is just a, it's my favorite hobby is video gaming. And it always has been, it, it didn't go away as I got older. Uh, and I was lucky enough to, 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 to direct my higher education towards journalism so that I could, uh, with the explicit goal of trying to marry those two, those two passions of, of writing and, and in you know, journalism with, with video games. And I'm, I am extraordinarily good fortuned to have been able to do that over my 18 plus year career now. And so it's just, I am. I'm lucky enough. I, you know, I, I get to wake up and, and cover a thing I love. Like I could be a, in journalism covering anything I could, you know, I could be covering politics or sports or, or tech, which I, you know, I, I like those things also, but I love video games and have since I was a kid. And I'm just really lucky that I get to, I get to spend my days writing stories and, and, previewing new video games and 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 uh we're previewing upcoming ones and reviewing the new ones and just and just covering that world it's a it's a very i try i genuinely try never to take it for granted because it is a it's a really special thing that i'm very lucky to get to do yeah if tesla offered you a job head of in-car entertainment would you take it oh, <laughs> oh that <laughs> That would be very tempting. Yeah. If, uh, uh -huh. if they were, if my standard of living were able to be maintained, as, as you know, the San Francisco area is extremely expensive to, to live and work. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if all, all things being equal, that would be, that would be a very tempting offer to, to go sort of be at the tip of the spear of, of gaming and in, in uh -huh. Tesla is that, yeah, that, that would be, that would be very, very interesting for sure. Um, all right. Um, all that said, so let's look at Tesla from kind of a different angle. What are some challenges that you foresee Tesla facing um, currently? Are there things that they could do better and that they should do better at? What are your yeah. thoughts? Uh, number The number one issue that I worry, I, I don't, as I said earlier in this conversation, I don't worry about them surviving anymore. But what I do worry about is their reputation. And what I mean by that is a reputation is really difficult to shake in the car world. I guess in probably all forms of life, I suppose, if you get a reputation as a, a cheater in baseball because you got caught using steroids, that tends to follow you and you don't get into the Hall of Fame. They won't vote you in. And in the car world, you know, on the good side, Volvo has a long established reputation of safety. Exactly. Yeah. You knew I didn't even have, you know, you, sure. you needed no, no guess. You knew. Uh, whereas like, uh, 
I, I would say what probably Ford for a long time. I think they've done a good job of shaking it in, in maybe the last decade, but Ford had a pretty crappy quality reputation for a long time. Um, and so what I worry about with Tesla is the reputation with regard to service. Uh, service as the company is growing so fast, which is good, but the the number of service centers, the uh, availability of of prompt service appointments and not having to wait weeks and and getting more service centers out away, you know, close so that people aren't living an hour or more away from a service center. And I know there's mobile service, so I, that's number the number one thing I'm worried about is that they they can scale service. Uh, as fast or faster than their scaling production of the cars. And the second thing is 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 absolutely build quality. I mean, they do have work to do there. I mean, I think if you point blank, or let's say if you got Elon, I mean, I think Elon's a pretty honest guy. Maybe you wouldn't even need to ask him off the record. But like if you got Elon point blank, my guess is, and that's, let me preface, my guess is that he would say, well, you know, we're selling every car we can make, so that's just not as high of a priority for us. Like people are taking the cars as they are and they're good cars. So we this is the mission is to get cars out the door and we are doing that. Um but but you I worry again about the reputation that it's like that it's they're going to get stuck with a reputation of, "Oh yeah, those aren't built that great. They're, you know, they just have a poor and and they, you know, I don't want them to have I don't want that to happen. And mm. and hopefully, I mean, with the insane popularity around the Cybertruck that will practically have no, you know, it'll just be one be folded up stainless steel. They can you know, there won't be there is no paint to complain about paint quality. There's no you know, there are fewer panels. Well, I don't know. I guess there aren't fewer panels, but there's. The, the whole process is different. So maybe the Cybertruck will help them kind of the popularity of it will help them get through that stuff. But I, I do think that they I would like to see them invest more in quality assurance at the factory on site at Fremont, which they seem to have like the the word is that the Shanghai cars are great, that they, they don't suffer those same issues. So um, we'll I mean, see how Berlin does and we'll see how Texas does. But yeah, I I think service and and uh, initial build quality. Yeah, I mean with build quality, um, has it has it improved though over you know past you know year or so? Sandy Monroe would probably tell you no, really? uh, because huh. I don't know if you saw Sandy bought a a, a new Model Three, a twenty twenty one, to tear down as Sandy does. If you mm -hmm. don't know Sandy Monroe, yeah. look him up on Monroe Live, his channel. He is a what 30 maybe 40 year automotive industry veteran and his whole thing is he tears down cars to the studs to learn about how they're made and assess how they're made and he and car companies hire him and pay him to make reports about not only their own cars but their competitors cars so that they can learn from it and all that and so Sandy tore down, as you know, Dave, Sandy did a teardown on an early Model 3, a 2017 Model 3, and found a lot of build quality issues. And so he bought a 2021 to see how far they've come. 
And he, as soon as he rolled it in the door, like literally the first time he was seeing the car after his, his company, his team bought the car, they got a white Model 3, and he rolled it in, and it had ridiculously bad uh, alignment between the the passenger side doors specifically and the and the the fender and the the rear fen the fenders and uh, although he did praise the paint he said the paint looked incredible but yeah he he picked out a bunch of like stuff the tail lights and mm -hmm. so you know it my opinion is and and I have no I have no research or evidence to back this up. I'm going purely anecdotally off of what I've seen and read in the community. So maybe that's just amplified and this is not a fair picture of the of the the whole sort of company and process at large, but it seems like when the pandemic shut the Tesla Fremont factory down for 6 weeks, as you know they'd already they just started to get the Model Y going. It seems like when they came back online, they just went into 4X turbo speed mode to try and make up as much production ground as they could from those six weeks they lost. And they did it. They got to 500,000 cars. But uh, there were there were a lot of, again, we'll call them anecdotal uh, write-ups and, and reports in the community of both the, the three, but particularly the Y of, yeah, you know, my Y's got this, it's got that. And so it just, it seems like they're in that, they went into that overdrive mode as far as the production speed and have, and have not slowed down here in 2021 to kind of maybe redirect some of that energy to, to QA. Yeah, I think, um, so on um, build quality, I think this is a tricky one because, you know, like for several people I've talked to who've had, early Model 3s and who purchased, let's say, a later Model 3 later, a couple years later, they've actually noted a big jump in big build quality. Great. Yeah. And I, I've, I've heard that consistently over time. I do think, like, there tends to be the end of quarter push, like, the last True. week or so. <laughs> like, if you have a car built in that last week or so, it, it's um, you got to check your, your car more carefully because yeah. <clears throat> there's such pressure to push it out. Um, I, I think my whole thing is, is service. Like, I think... That I actually completely agree with you. Um, service I and mean, why isn't it getting better for Tesla? I mean, or is it getting better? What's your take on kind of service? I mean, it's uh, they did say I think in the last earnings report that they're opening X number of new service centers and expanding the mobile service fleet. Um, so we'll see. I mean, that that's a tough one to quantify in a, especially just like you and I talking because yeah. like. I, I, what I've read over and over again on like the Tesla Motors Reddit is that service, which I guess is probably true of any company. I mean, in, with the case of other car companies, they have dealers. And so each of those really is their own individual thing. But even though Tesla doesn't do dealerships, it does almost seem like you do have uh, you can you can go to one service center and then go to the and, and have a horrible experience and not get communication, like have bad communication or whatever the case may be, and then book an appointment at, at the, the next closest service center on the other side of your town, and it, you just have a tremendous, awesome customer service experience. That's the thing I read time and again in, in the community is that 
it's really almost service center dependent how your experience ends up being. Like I, I, um, I, I've used, uh, I've, I'm lucky being in San Francisco. I've got two that are pretty close either way. And, and yeah, I've, I've been using the San Francisco one, um, pretty religiously, uh, cause I, I ended up actually didn't have a great experience at the other one. So, um, I know that's just like one tiny little example from one person, but, but I have been treated pretty darn well by the San Francisco, uh, Tesla service center. So it, it but I mean, it, it is, and again, I can, I can say all that and then say, well, it shouldn't be like that. It should be a pretty ubiquitous, good experience across the board where you're, you're getting good communication and you're getting your car's service done promptly. And also your appointment is not weeks away. So, yeah. um, it's, it is going to be tough to quantify that, but uh, hopefully, I mean, we, uh, I believe Zach uh, Kirkhorn, the, the CE, CFO, specifically mentioned that on the last earnings call. So um, hopefully they are indeed really paying attention and putting resources into that because they've got the cash now. They are yeah. sitting on billions of dollars in cash. There is no excuse to not invest in service now. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, service, man, this is something service. Um, yeah, something that, you know, has been a consistent theme that I think could be improved. Um, you know, if there are any Tesla employees watching, you know, please send this to to those who can make some decisions on service. But um, so I wrote down a few ideas of how to improve service. I want, I want your feedback here. So first, I agree, like, number one, people should be able to get quicker appointments. It's, it shouldn't be something that you have to wait two to three weeks or even four weeks to, or to get an appointment. You know, it's, it should be something that you can get in a couple of days, usually, you know, yeah. um, I think, and whatever it takes, whether it means like adding a night shift to, you know, you don't have to open up complete new service centers. I mean, I think there, if you have a standard where waiting three weeks for an appointment is not acceptable, you know, and you make it happen, like, Tesla will find a way, you know, I think the standard that's, that's where I'm kind of, you know, I feel like that needs to be adjusted. Like some, someone is not in touch with, with the person, the consumer, the customer, the owner who, who doesn't want to wait three weeks, you know, for, for a problem they have. Um, yeah. I mean, not to, inter I, I apologize for interrupting you, no, but if yeah. you're just reminding me that, uh, the Tesla had a head of sales and service, a guy named John McNeil, mm -hmm. he left and they never replaced him. And Elon said, well, I'm just taking that over. Yeah. And Elon has 70,000 jobs <laughs> between Tesla and SpaceX and Boring Company. And and yeah, I so to just build on your point, I would love to see yeah. a dedicated person at the highest executive team level. And I don't think that's there right now. Yeah, exactly. There needs to be a, a point person, a face, and a person who can communicate, actually, you know, get requests engage with the community. Do you remember, um, like George Blankenship back in the day, exactly. like he was great, like, you know, early you know, sales, like in, engaging yes. people. Um, it puts a personality, a person behind, you know, the company. I think service is lacking that. Second thing is, um, I think people, it's so hard to reach a, a person with service. Like I can't just call my service center and it, it's like they, they put these firewalls between me and my service center. It's like, I just can't call them up. And I think, um, there needs to be more of a opportunity or a avenue where if I'm needing to talk with someone, you know, that I can talk with someone quickly, you know, 
at my service center. Um, and that shouldn't cost that much money. You know, just have one or two people at the service center, you know, fielding phone calls. It's not that you can get a thousand phone calls per day per service center, you know, like you can manage it, you know, like it's proven, you know, dealerships are managing phone calls, you know, you can manage phone calls by, you know, um, by, by making it a priority. But it seems like Tesla's gone through this thing where it's like, hey, we're going to make everything automated, everything through the app. Now, here's the third problem. If the app was so great and I could actually make an appointment and change the appointment and change what I, what I need and, and answer, get my questions answered and all that stuff, maybe they have a point. But right now with the Tesla app, like I make an appointment, it's like I can't even change what I'm, what I'm going to service. Like I wanted to add something and I can't even change what I wanted to add or I can't ask questions or engage and get, you know, my needs met through the app. It's, it's, yeah. it's just not an optimal experience. So you take away the person, right? The direct phone call access, and then you give a subpar kind of app experience. And then you expect people to be happy. I, I don't understand what's going on here. I mean, what's your thoughts? I, I mean, in somewhat in their defense, I will say uh, my last service experience uh, was actually recently, it was like a month ago. I had a the cowl cover, it's a plastic piece right at the base of the windshield. It was, my old one was either like misaligned or, or broken, but anyway, it was causing, there was air getting in and it was causing this like whistling noise at high speed and I was able to isolate it and I used painter's tape to tape over the gap that was there and, and then sound went away. So I knew, okay, I'm gonna make a service appointment for this and request that this be fixed under warranty. And uh, they not only did they do it, and it was great, but they there you can they they open up a text thread in the app now so you can text them through the app and i and they were responsive to me when i did that but it's still i think you had to wait for them don't quote me on this i think they you might have to wait for them to kind of initiate mm -hmm. the communication which goes to your point of like hey you want to add something you need exactly. to that you you know it's tough to do that so the texting, like I'm, I'm on board with that, but I still agree with you that there are times where you just, it's, you just want to either need or want to talk to someone directly. And it is a shame that they've made it next to impossible to do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if the in-app experience was fantastic, I think it would help it. It's just a subpar. I mean, to give Tesla credit, like once my car is in service or, you know, like, the, the, the folks are great, you know, they're just like really accommodating. They're trying to do their best, really friendly. Yeah. And so I have no complaints about, you know, the actual people doing service. It's more of, I think, on a top level, does the priority the company is placing on service, the expectations, right. you know, et cetera. But um, yeah, hopefully um, I've heard that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I've heard that perhaps there could there will there are some service has moved to uh, in the chain of things to someone who is going to be able to make some changes. So hopefully we'll Good. see that. Um, let's see, um, what are your thoughts on um, the federal tax credit? So, you know, there's rumors that, you know, with Biden as president, the Democrats in control of the Congress and Senate, that there could be um, a new $7,500 tax credit they sure don't act like they're in control, <laughs> but that's another story. Yeah, yeah, we could talk. Um, <laughs> um, what what kind of impact will that have on Tesla? You think is it positive? Is it mixed? Or you know, 
if if and it is a big if the a seven thousand dollar tax credit were to come back it's obviously good i mean there's uh, of course because if at that point because you're talking about a model three that's again like i said before i think a great value at 263 miles of range all the software updates safest car on the road that starts that effect effectively starts because the federal it is a tax credit but is effectively $30,000. And now you're starting to get, I mean, I believe this was a couple of years ago. I remember, I don't know if this is still accurate, but last I knew the, the average new car sale price in the United States was like 32 or $33,000, something like that. Now that doesn't, that's not exactly like the most telling number because some people that's just still, that's not, they're at, they're at, it's out of reach. And that's what the model, so-called Model 2 and the $25,000 car is for. But let's say it does come back. And let's say by the time it comes back, the Model 2 is out. And it's a $25,000 car. Well, suddenly, you're going to tip a lot more people over the edge into, into taking that leap into an electric because it's going to be a an $18,000 car, which is like, th just think $18,000 for a very safe, what I'm sure would be because Tesla's entire company is built on safety, a very safe, 100% electric car with good range, probably 250 miles, if just as a thrown it out there is where they would probably start with a Model 2. And you can get that for under 20 grand after a, I mean, after a, a, a the return of a, a new federal tax credit. I mean, that's that's where the that's where you get to the tipping point of there's just because because as we know, it's electric cars, not just Tesla's electric cars in general. They are they are cheaper to own, but they have to date not been cheaper to buy. So suddenly, if they're cheaper to own and cheaper to buy, it's game over gasoline cars. That's it. Not not like ubiquitous, you know, not that they'll all go away tomorrow. And, you know, there are certainly plenty of exceptions and reasons you you might still have a gas car. But it just it's suddenly that's the, the snowball starts rolling downhill and can't be stopped at that point. It really starts to get to a an incredible amount of momentum. Like it would probably make the model three and model Y sales now look, look like what the three and Y sales make the model S and X sales look like just orders of magnitude different. And it's, it would just be an incredible thing for the company and for the electric car, sustainable energy movement. It would be a, a wonderful thing if, uh, if the tax credit can come back and, I mean, thinking outside of Tesla for a second, suddenly, okay, I'm a, I'm your average American buyer. I've had Fords my whole life. Love Ford. Got my Mustang. My family, we got the Explorer SUV. Oh, okay. Ford Mustang SUV. That's cool. All right. But yeah, I don't know. Electric. I don't think so. But then seven grand off. Hmm. Okay. I'm in. And you just it would benefit the other manufacturers and help them. You know, the other manufacturers don't have the 
price per kilowatt hour down nearly as low as Tesla does and probably won't for a while. And so that, that, uh, you know, it wouldn't be about competing with Tesla. It would just be a, that $7,000 credit. If it comes back could help make other automakers, electric cars that are finally starting to get good, uh, to help them be a lot more affordable to tip, you know, people that don't want to buy a Tesla for whatever reason into going electric. So there's just, it would be wonderful if, if that, if that credit could somehow come back. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, kind of off, off topic a bit, but Tesla last year kind of dissolved their PR department. It appears. Um, did that surprise you at all? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, the idea of a fortune 500, I mean, they weren't fortune, fortune 500 at the time, but let's, they are now mm -hmm. the, a fortune 500 company that makes half a million now plus vehicles a year and has an energy business that makes home battery storage uh, and, and solar roofs and <laughs> that has no PR, no, no way to like put out official company messaging and respond to, okay, not me. I'm just a little, I'm a little podcast. I'm nothing. I'm just a guy doing a talking into a mic every Friday night. But like, what does the New York Times do when they need a clarification from Tesla on some new pricing policy or like it's, it is, it's, it just, it's like, I'm, I'm in my head right now, the meme from, uh, from dodgeball is in my head. It's, it's a bold strategy, cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. It's just like, it is nuts that a company of that size, what is it, 48,000 employees has no PR department. Uh -huh. It's, it's, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's bad for people like me. I mean, it, if yeah. you consider me media, and there have definitely been times when they did have a PR department, there were a number of times where I would reach out about, you know, somebody would call in to my show with some question about something and, and I do my best to accrue all the knowledge I can from the community, but I don't know everything. And there would be times where I would reach out to Tesla PR and they would respond and say, okay, yeah, here's the, here's the information you're looking for. I have no way to do that anymore. And that's like, that's not great. I mean, mm -hmm. it sucks for me as a guy who would want to be in touch with PR, but you know, I'm also, it, it's, it's unfortunate for trying to get correct information out because that's ultimately what a PR department's job is supposed to be is getting correct information out at some companies PR departments are used to just get company friendly messaging out I guess that's sort of become the twisted nature of PR too but yeah long story short it's I'm not thrilled about it it's not great yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think I think um, in whatever form or fashion, I think Tesla does need to have a point person that communicates with people, you know, and gets out accurate factual information. Um, definitely. Um, what's um the future of Ride the Lightning? Um, any changes ahead? You think, or are you just happy with kind of the podcast format? Do you have any other ambitions or ideas with your podcast? I'm. As I, I was talking earlier in this about about the balance that I'm trying to maintain between my day job and ride the lightning and my home and family life. And and I feel like because it's a, it's very important to me that 
I mean, like, yes, I love doing Ride the Lightning. Like, it, at the end of the day, if I didn't love doing it, I would stop doing it. Because otherwise, like, why would I, you know, nobody, it's, I don't have a boss. It's just me. Like, I would stop doing it if it weren't a thing that, that I enjoyed doing and, and felt creatively fulfilled by. And I'm very fortunate that I do love doing it and I do feel very creatively fulfilled by it. And the community is great. The, the calls I get and the, and it's just, it's, it's just this, I've, I've been able to help create this, this little sub community within the wonderful larger Tesla community. And, and that's great. But, um, but yeah, like a lot of people tell me, oh, especially the fact that the podcast is syndicated on YouTube, as I said earlier, but there's no video. It's it's a um it's there if you just like to listen, if you want, if you know, if that's convenient for you to listen to it on YouTube. I have like eight thousand subscribers just on YouTube. So there are clearly some people that that do value that experience. And and sure enough, every so often there'll be clearly a new person that kind of comes in and says, Where's the video? Because I mean, I get it. It's YouTube, it's a video platform. It's a fair question to ask on YouTube. Where's the video? But I just um that that's what a lot of people go, you should do video. It's like, well, ideally that'd be nice, but I just honestly I'm I'm not willing to that would be so much extra time because it's not just turn on the camera, film and press upload. Like, no, you, you know, you got to set up, you got to, I mean, you know, you've got a YouTube channel, you, you know what goes into it. It's there's a, the, the, the amount of time spent in front of the camera, like right now is the, the least amount of time that you spend in the process of making something for YouTube. And so it's, if I had a staff to do all that for me, that then yes, I would love to go on YouTube. That'd be fun. But as it is, I'm just very cognizant of trying to maintain that work, family, ride the lightning balance. And and I feel like it's I've gotten that to a pretty good place. And so yeah, I'm just uh I'm I'm happy to keep doing what I'm doing and um and just, you know, keep it's always new and exciting with Tesla every week. So it's, it's never boring. I, I just, I like, you know, and I also, as your, as your viewers have now come uh, to realize I have a radio face, like this does not belong on video. It is the voice is That's what God blessed me with the voice. Not so much this. So it's, I like the podcasting medium because you don't have to look at me. It's just, you just listen and it's, well, and, and, but even more seriously though, like I know YouTube's obviously it's the, it's a massive platform, but, but I get a lot like podcasting. So many people that listen to my podcast, listen to it on their commute. If they currently have one or on a bike ride or a dog walk or a hike and you know, YouTube, you're not really doing that. So, you know, not, I'm not yeah. saying it podcasting's better than YouTube. It's just different. And I, I I'm very comfortable and I've arrived at this, this really nice place with, with where things are. Yeah. Um, some feedback, if you don't mind. Um, I think you're actually super photogenic. I think you, well, that's very kind of you. No, I mean, no, I'm serious. I, like, <laughs> no, no, I, I have to be on camera for yeah, IGN. Yeah. It, so it's like, I can't the face like, so I've kind of, I guess I've learned to adapt. Yeah. As best I can. No, it's also, I have good lighting right now. I have yeah. professional lighting around yeah. me. So. No, I mean the, the combination of the audio and the video 
it adds a lot of dynamic like interest to to everything i mean you're i mean the the audio is great but once i see you together with the audio this is a yeah. complete different experience and um yeah i think uh i think you're onto something here i think um yeah this i mean i'll leave it up to the viewers you know well, you're, you're very kind yeah, yeah. I, you know you does i did buy because I knew it would be in every, I, you know, I'm on, I'm, I am on camera all the time on IGN. So okay. I was able to get, I was lucky and I timed it right. And I got my Tesla tequila before they sold out. So it's, that's now it's in the backdrop of every shot that, that on IGN. It's a little Tesla Easter egg for you. If you follow my work on IGN. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Um, Ryan, thanks for taking the time out, uh, coming on the channel, sharing your your thoughts, your background, your insights. Um, appreciate it. Appreciate your contributions over the years to the Tesla community. Just you know, week in, week week out, you know, reporting, sharing, gathering, you know, people. We appreciate that. Um, yeah. Anything else? Where 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 can people find you? So you have your podcast, Ride the Lightning, um, YouTube channel, Ride the Lightning, um, your Twitter handle i'll put in the video description so people can find you anything else um anywhere else i mean i'm, I'm on patreon but i won't be so okay. shameless as to promote that i mean the way i look at pay i mean patreon is at the end of the day like i i can't do ride the lightning for free i mean it is free but it's you know it's listener supported on a volunteer basis but the way i look at that is if you if you'd like to go further down the tesla rabbit hole every week i'm here for you and if after you know a month, six months, a year, you think, you know what, boy, I've been really been enjoying this. I'd like to support Ryan. Well, that's what the Patreon is there to do. So it's, you know, I don't expect anybody to to throw financial support at me. You know, it's it's five bucks a month or, or higher. There's little different bonuses and things, but I don't expect anybody to just listen for the first time and go have some money. It's like, no, I, I have to earn that. I have to earn your support. I have to earn your trust and, and, um, but yeah, like, uh, you pretty much hit it. I'm, I'm on pretty much every major podcast service, uh, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts. I'm also, I'm in the car in two places in your Tesla, either via tune in or, uh, if you have a Spotify premium account, cause you do need premium to log in, in your Tesla, but ride the lightning is on there as well. Um, I will say just make sure you're searching ride the lightning Tesla because otherwise you're going to get Metallica, um, which is which is in part the reason that I chose the name Ride the Lightning, which in hindsight, bad idea. Uh, Metallica <laughs> owns all the SEO on Ride the Lightning. I got too cute with it. I didn't think ahead. I should have just called it the Tesla podcast and called it a day. But as it is, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla. And that's you should you should then find me at that point. Awesome. Cool, man. All right, it's nice uh, catching up after all these years. Um, wish you the best, as always. Thanks so much, dude. Okay, we'll see ya.